You are now in tune to a 726 studio production. <laughs> yeah, let me stop my shit. Yo, what's up and welcome back to another episode of Planet Josh. Today's guest is a man of many talents. Basketball player, trainer, businessman, model, sometimes a freestyle rapper. Straight out of Belmont on the 822, Jarrell Velasquez. What's up, bro? Appreciate you having me on. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to reconnect with you, my guy. Man, appreciate you taking the time out. <laughs> right, yeah, you know, you, you, you're my people, so I definitely need to, you know, connect whenever I have the chance and the opportunity, so that's, that's a blessing. Yeah, it's big time, bro. Appreciate it. Well, let's just get down to it. Uh, first and foremost, introduce yourself. Let's, like, tell the people who you are. All right, hello world. My name is Jarrell GBV Velasquez, born and raised in Belmopan City. Um, like Josh said, I, I like to consider myself a, a man of many talents, um, hardworking, you know, very motivated, driven, and I like to have a good time. You know, I try, I work hard, but I also play hard. So for the most part, I feel like those things describe me. Tell us more about like growing up in Belmopan. What was it like? I had a good childhood growing up in Bubba Van. You know, it was it was pretty safe for the most part. Um, uh, I grew up. I, I had I had some friends that had similar interests as me. So uh, we grew up just doing everything, a little bit of everything from from you know running around climbing manga trees in the summertime, you know coconut trees doing bot flips in the in the Bahama grass behind my grandmother's house. Uh, it was always it was always something you know playing kickball, basketball. Uh, running race <laughs> on Libertad. Uh, going up in Belmont was a lot of fun. You know, I, I had a, I had a blast. I had a great childhood. Man, that sounds good. I mean, sounds like more of a childhood than what people have these days, right? You know, definitely, especially with technology. The kids don't really get to go outside. Everybody's on a tablet or a phone or some some sort of device. Uh, yeah. I feel like my generation was some of the last ones to to really be outside, and I think that had a, a huge effect on the on the person that I am today, the way I grew up, you know, the, the level of um, athleticism, the, 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 with, in these times with, uh, with COVID, you know, knock on wood, and it's a blessing that I haven't caught COVID, but um, I feel like it's harder for me to get sick because you grew up playing in the rain, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. <like> that, so. <laughs> for sure. You're immune to a lot of things through all of that. Um, all right. Since you said you played a lot of things, like, you know, playing outside and all kind of stuff. Um, when did you really get into sports? And like, what was the first sport you played? I was always into sports. Um, I started playing basketball uh, at five years old, if I'm not mistaken. I had an older cousin. He used to take me to the basketball court. You know, my uncle used to have me watch um, Magic Johnson and them playing. I was probably one years old, so I remember absolutely nothing, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, um, I've always been around sports. Growing up in in Belmopan, I went to Our Lady of Guadalupe RC School, and they had a football program. Uh, shout out to Mr. Morgan. Mr. Mr. Morgan had a you know Mr. Morgan's sons are out there in Taiwan, right? Legendary, uh, buddy, buddy and Wani. Yeah, Mr. Morgan, um, straight straight out of um PG, same way too. Right, right. Yeah. Shout out to Buddy and Wani doing their thing as well. But um, their dad, you know, really pioneered football in Belmopan. So as a youth, I feel like. Everybody played football because of Mr. Morgan and, and what he had going on. So early on, that was my, that was my, I mean, I started playing basketball, but then I gravitated to football and, and I played football for a long time before I came back to basketball. 
All right. So um, what is it that besides, you know, Mr. Morgan inspiring the kids to want to play, what was it that you liked about football at that time? To me, just the competition. I love competition and I always have from a very early age. You know, I just love me against you, my team against your team, just just going at it and and trying to trying to win. You know, so uh, I can get into anything if there's a competitive nature to it. And, and back then, everybody wanted to be the best football player. We had this dude, Carlos Alpuche. He was he was the best player in our class in standard four. I was 10. And, um, and I didn't like that he was the best player. He was my <laughs> friend. But I used to tell him, like, yo, you you are the best player, but just give me some time. And um, and I used to always just try to compete with Carlos El Puche. <laughs> Shout out to Carlos. Iron sharpens iron, right? I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah, most definitely. That's that's a fact. So um, I, I didn't really know the football part of it because from I know you, it's just been basketball. So let's talk about basketball. Like, when did you decide, like, this is what I like more than football. If you if you want to put it like that, I always loved basketball more. That's, yeah. You know, that's not to be confused. However, there were no basketball programs. They were just it was just football. So Mr. Morgan had his his whole football thing going on, but nobody was doing it for basketball. And when I went to Olag, uh, it was only uh, we. I signed up for a basketball class, but it was like four of us. We didn't even we didn't even have ten. You know, so. I, and the entire school was in football. So I just transferred over to football. You know, um, once I left the goal and uh, I, I transferred from Olag to what was then called the Mopan Junior School is now Garden City Primary School. Okay. Um, you know, that's when, that's when I started playing basketball more. At the age of fast forward to, let me see, high school. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't make the team, the school team, my first couple of years. I made it until to third form. Um, and and the experience I had playing, I'll never forget it. That's the that's the year uh, that I decided I wanted to be a professional basketball player. I was 15 at the time, and um, you know, and I ran with it and never looked back. Um, while at, in high school, what did you like accomplish as it relates to basketball? Yeah, uh, no, nothing really. I played on a few national uh, championship, uh, well, in a few national championship games, I should say. You know, going to Kampu, we were by far the biggest school in the area in Belmopan and in the Kaya district. In fact, Kampu was the biggest, the most popular school in the country. We had like a thousand students where everybody else had, you know, four or five hundred. Big schools would have maybe six to seven hundred, but Kampu had a thousand. So because of that, we were going to be a powerhouse and we were the best team in the Kaya district by far in the years where I was there. And so me just being on the team for two years, I got to, you know, we made nationals two years. Um, but basketball didn't really take off for me until after high school. I'm, I'm definitely the definition of a late bloomer, if you ask me. All right. So um, after high school, you went to, I was reading up on something because I, I, I want to have my facts right, right? But yeah. um, you went to UB, right, after high school. Right, right. Yeah, I went to the University of Belize after high school. For and then at that time, um, UB was a poor host, basically a poor host. Right. Uh, having all the big names, the guys that I grew up like reading in newspapers, like um Stephen Williams, um Farron, Travis, right. all those guys. Um what was your role on that team? My role on that team was very, very specific. <laughs> it's funny because at the time, um, like you said, UB was a powerhouse and and they used to get the best two high school players from every class. The year before me was, you know, Leroy Loriano and Winston Pride. 
that, you know, before that, you had a uh, Farron Oriano and Ryan Zuniga, you had Travis Lena, and like, uh, of course, Stephen Williams, you had Pretzel, uh, Tyron Castillo, and those guys. So we had a squad. And um, for me, as a young player, I was 17 when I, when I tried out for the team. And, um, you know, I was able to, I made the team, but I redshirted, meaning I didn't get to play my first year. Coach Saruka said that, uh, Coach Saruka was a coach at the time. He, he told me, like, hey, you're going to get to travel with us. You're going to get to practice. You're, you're going to get, you know, the opportunity to be around the team. You just won't play. Uh, that in itself, I mean, it was a tough pill to swallow because, of course, you want to play. But um, it was good to just be around those guys to see what it took to to be the best team in the country and be around some of the best players in the country. My role on the team was the hype man. I, I used to have to, you know, I used to rock in every huddle. You know, my job was to get Winston Pratt and Stephen Williams, our two best players, ready to, ready to go. You know, um, if uh, in practice, I never shot the ball. I didn't get an opportunity to shoot. I just have to set screens and dive for loose balls and just come with energy, you know. So I had to work my way up. I was I was the definition of a role playing a garbage man at, at, at UB, but I killed my role and I definitely did my thing because before every game I had a verse and I had the team lit. <laughs> I had the team lit. I, I know. You see, that's a problem, I think, with a lot of guys, right? Um, They expect handouts they expect that all right i'm here i have to play you gotta put me in and like no one wants to play a specific role and like you said it's, it's a tough pill to swallow but you know right i it think builds character or something like that could either build you or break you you know i mean and uh that's that lit a fire in me because i always said i wanted to be a pro and um to to go in a situation like that and not play you know i'm the only person on the team that's not on a scholarship uh everybody has the team, you know, they, they give you te uh, tennis shoes with your name on it. I'm the only person on the team that doesn't have a tennis shoes. Everybody is in black and purple. My tennis shoes is white and yellow. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I stand out. Not only, you know, I'm the youngest on the team. I had a, It was tough. It was definitely tough. But like I said, if it didn't break me, it was going to build me. And I, and I definitely use that as motivation to propel me into, you know, the things I have going on right now. I mean, it's like a reality check, right? Because... Sometimes you go in in situations and you think like, all right, I'm the man. And then you realize like, nah, right. nah, not even <laughs> I was close. arguably the best player in high school, coming out of high school. You know, we had Daniel Norberto. He, he was definitely better at me, better than me coming out of high school. We came out together. But other than him, you know, I was probably the best. I was the second best player in, in the entire country coming out of high school. You know, so to go on a team and have that rule, but then you have to realize that everybody on the team was once the one or two best player in their yeah. class. So, you know, you got a team with a bunch of dudes that were once the best player on your high school team. I mean, the, the pecking order is, you know, I was last in the pecking order. I was 15 out of 15. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after you will be, you end up going to Galen on a scholarship, right? Right, right. So Kevin Sirocco transferred. Uh, he moved over from the university, I believe, to Galen University. And uh, he offered me a full scholarship. I was the first athletic scholar in the history at Galen University. I wear that proudly, you know. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I was able to get a scholarship to go to Galen University, for sure. And um, after that, you were no longer 15 out of 15. Right. That was an opportunity for me to be to be the guy, because at the time, Galen was building their scholarship program. Um, and like I just said, they started with me and a guy, Jamal Harris. Shout out to Jamal Harris. Um, and uh, we were the only two athletic scholars on the team. So the team was filled with a bunch of guys that liked basketball, but they they weren't 
you know, they didn't, they weren't trying to be professional basketball players. They just, you know, they played cause uh, they liked the sport or whatever. Um, and so me transferring over to Gill and after having experienced uh, two years of high success in Belize at the University of Belize, um, you know, I was the captain of the team, you know, I was the best player on the team and, and it was an opportunity for me to, to become, you know, a leader and learn and, and, and take this team to the promised land. So yeah, I cherished the opportunity and, and it was it was bittersweet because I left all my friends at UB to go yeah. to Galen. Um, I left the best team in the country to go on the worst team in the country. But but at the end of the day, it was my team and it was an opportunity for me to grow as a leader. And, and I embraced that fully. So while there, let's talk about the accomplishments. What all did you accomplish while at Galen? I mean, a lot, a lot. And that's a blessing. Thank God. You know, but um, I was able to win four championships in five years. Uh, I was, uh, I think a four time, no, nah, three times MVP, final, uh, MVP at the Outlet tournament. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we won, we won four Outlet championships. I only played in three. The one, I didn't play one cause I had broke my wrist. So I couldn't play. Um, but every time I played other than that first year, the first year at Gillen, we lost, we lost to Wesley college. And then we brought in a couple guys and eventually the team got better. But every, every year after that, that I played. We won the championship and I was I was the MVP. Um we uh we were a powerhouse, we were a team to be reckoned with. You know, I basically led Gillen into doing what UB was doing for yeah. all those years. You know, we became a powerhouse and knocked off UB. And um and it was behind me for the most part, you know. I, and and that's how I want that's exactly how I wanted it. Um and you know, I was able to just like I said, grow as a leader. My biggest accomplishment at Galen is the fact that I graduated. You know, I graduated in 2017 with a bachelor's degree in marketing. So uh, all, all the championships and everything come second to, to me having a degree from Galen University. For sure. I mean, yeah, that, that's something to highlight because I think um, more often than not, um, athletes in Belize, I think athletes in general don't look at the school side of things. They just want to they just want to play. Right. School isn't for everyone, but at the same time, it's good to have it, especially if you could get it through your craft, which is basketball. If you could use that to help right. you boost up another side of your life, you always got to go for it, you know? So, like, basically, you went from, you know, being the run to the team to being the foundation of another powerhouse. Right. And then um, you said you did that with Coach Siroki. And then I know while you were at Galen, um, Coach Tar took over at some point too, right? Right. Uh, it was probably my third year in, at Gillen. You know, Coach Tar, Coach Tar came in and, um, you know, and he's still there right now. Uh, important to note, like you said, I, I went from being a run on one team to a foundational piece on, on another team. Uh, and it was it was kind of cool because a lot of the guys that were with me at UB ended up transferring to Gillen. So more than half the team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, with Belize being as small as it is, you know, and, and Galen creating an opportunity, a lot of guys were able to transfer. So by the time we won our third or fourth championship, a lot it was a lot of familiar faces because a lot of the guys that were winning with me at Galen were the guys that used to be at UB. But there was no way on earth that I was going to go from being a runt at UB to being the the guy at Galen and when these guys transferred over, give that up. You know, this was me. This was, I yeah. was the first one. And um, 
And it was it was it was sweet to me. I, I always um always look at it like you know I compare my journey to that of Jimmy Butler in the NBA. How he you know he signed with Chicago early on, and he was just you know a role player, a, a defensive guy. Yeah. And then he, you know ended up being the guy on the team and playing in Minnesota with Derrick Rose and Ty Gibson, where in you know he was he was the last guy or not I was I would say last but the last pick of the first round you know so my journey is kind of like that um not I'm I'm nowhere near Jimmy Butler talent wise but in a story you know yeah, of, of sure. JBV, definitely and and it was cool to you know win championships with Stephen Williams as the coach he was my he was my teammate at UV you know Farron Loriano Travis Lennon uh Winston Pratt Daniel Alberta all these guys had spent time at Galen you know so um, for them to to see the growth that I had when they came over, it was like, okay, I respect what you got going on. I mean, it's all about respect, right? You earned it the hard way. So right, facts, facts. Um, so after Galen, outside of Galen, have you competed in any competitions like yeah, professional, sure. semi-professional, whatever it may be? Yeah, uh, I, I signed my first professional contract while I was still at Galen in fact, in twenty it was twenty fourteen. I went to go play in. Um, in a league called the Liga Mayor in Guatemala. So it was uh, the National League of, of Guatemala. You know, they had about 16 teams. So we were playing about uh, 25, 30 games. They had two conferences, the East and the West. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I was out there, I was out there doing my thing. I led the league in scoring. I played, I played two years. I led the league in scoring my first year. Uh, we made it to the championship game, came up short in the championship game, unfortunately. But um, but it was a great experience for me to 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 get a professional season under my belt. 2014, Guatemala. So um for the Belizean ballers, like how would you consider like compare the difference between their style over there compared to back home? Back home we're way more we're way more athletic. Uh we're faster, bigger, stronger. The game is played with more skill and technicality in Guatemala, though, for sure. And all of these Central American countries, you know, they don't have the high flyers, but they have the the fundamentals on point. They have the shooters that will come off pin downs. You know, they have, they have guys that will get in the paint, make the extra pass. Um, while in Belize, it's more a, a physical game, a fast-paced game. Uh, the Guatemalan league at the time they allowed two imports per team, so that made that raised the level of the league. Now Belize is uh they in the NEBL they definitely allowed two foreigners per team this year or last year I should say, and that that put the league on a whole different level. So they they've been doing that in Guatemala. It was you know my team, it was me and, a, and an American guy who were the foreigners, and um, the league was fun. The league was fun. We were playing in packed stadiums in front of. You know, ten thousand people certain nights. Our our home gym was really small, kind of like the size of UB. But we used to pop that over like five thousand people. You know, they, they didn't have enough seats. The gym was hot, loud. We had a <laughs> band on the left side, a band on the right side, and the whole game was like boom, 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 boom. You can't you can't even hear yourself talk, think, or anything. The atmosphere song, was crazy. Song like so, um, song like Griga on steroids, huh? <laughs> Shout out to Griga. I think Guatemala can match Griga, but they just had more people. Yeah, you know, that's about it. People. But it's the same, it's the same vibe in Griga. It's the exact same vibe, but just you know, triple the crowd. Like um when you mentioned the foreigner thing, you know, helping raise the level. I think too many times, like growing up, I used to watch a lot of football, right? And then yeah. now, now you have these big teams bringing in foreigners to play on their teams, and Belizeans are like 
so we don't have any Belizeans available to play and what's not. But, like, you know, I get where they're coming from because you want your local players to get a chance. But at the same time, bringing in foreigners helps raise the level of the competition, you know. Right. Challenge the local guys. Right, right, for sure. For sure. It, it, it definitely elevates the level. And um, it brings a whole different dynamic that if you didn't have, you know, it, it, the league wouldn't be as good. You know, I, I welcome I welcome um, foreigners to come. And, and, you know, it's an opportunity for guys to learn, guys to grow, guys to network, build connections, and, and just compete, compete at the highest level that you possibly could. So I'll offer foreigners, you know, being welcome to these different leagues. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, one question I want I forgot to ask in the beginning, but I mean, we already talked about all of this. So what or who inspired you to get into basketball? I mean, you've done so much, but who was it like, okay, yeah, I want to be like him or something like that? To be honest, it was not, you know, I didn't have like one person that that really inspired me to wanna, you know, I just always loved the game. You know, I I, I never, you know, I never had anybody that I was looking you know, diligently too and saying, you know what, you play basketball, so I'm going to play basketball. I just, you know, I got introduced to the game very early. Like I said, I was playing at five years old with my older cousin and I, and I loved it. I just loved the game. When I decided I wanted to be a pro though was, you know, high school nationals third farm. I was 15 and uh, we played on December 15th. So I was getting 16 because my birthday is December 16th. So we played the day before my birthday and um, I wasn't good at all. I was athletic. I was super super athletic, super fast. I could jump high and all that, but I had no skill. Um, and I went in the game, you know, I was a bench player. And actually I started this game. We were playing against the defending champions, Wesley College, right? Keep in mind, they had won like three straight national championships. So our first game was against them. We're playing in Belmopan uh, at UB, at the UB gym. So we have home court advantage. And one of our starters, he got hurt or something happened. He couldn't play so I was a six man on the team. So uh, I, I was able to start and I couldn't shoot to save my life. But as I got the ball, I just shot it and it went in. I bonked in a three from the left wing. The next time I got the ball, I shot it again, bonked in a three from the right wing. I'm, and the crowd, the crowd, they go crazy at this point. Like, yo, what the hell? So I got the ball again and I bonked in another three. Like nobody ever bouncing, you know, the ball three times in a game. Like who, who makes three bump shots in a game? That's luck. That's a luck if I've ever seen it. So all three of my my threes were lucky, but I made it. And um, just the feeling that I had when I had six hundred people cheering my name and just just shouting out for me and the team, like the electricity that went through my body, it was the first time I ever experienced that home court advantage. People on your side, and and um, and I balled out. We ended up losing the game, but. I remember that feeling that I had, and I said, wow, like, I, I would love to experience this again. I want to become a professional basketball player. So yeah. December 15, 2008 is the day that I made that I made the decision to become a professional. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know what it took to become a pro, so I just uh, I went on the internet. I just started YouTubing Kobe Bryant workouts, Derek Lewis <laughs> workouts, uh, you know, Steph Curry workouts, YouTubing workouts, and just trying to see what I, trying to go on the court and do what I saw on YouTube. No trainer, no experience. I just, you know, I just had to drive, you know. Uh, I had my I had my dad that I was, you know, I always, you know, credit to his work ethic, you know. He's um, he's the hardest working person that I know. So I knew what, I just said, 
He's a musician. So the work that I saw him put in, I just did it for basketball. You know, waking up early, going to sleep late, eating right, taking care of my body and just putting in the time. And long story short, it ended up working out for me. So thank God. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, moving on from that, all the high school, university, professional, whatever. Um, in 2016, you got the opportunity to be a skills coach in China. How did that come right. about? I came about through Coach Tar, who was coaching me, like I said, at Yale University. Uh, at the time, I was playing in Guatemala. So um, after I, I did Mex, I did no, I was playing in Mexico. Sorry, so I did Guatemala a couple of years, and then I did Mexico. While like I, I was still going to Yale University at the time, so I was. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I would I would go to school on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m., I get a taxi to Petén, fly to Guatemala City, play a game in Guatemala City Tuesday night, um, fly back to Belize on Wednesday, go to school on Thursday, and then Friday, I get on a bus uh, to Chetamal, then get on another bus through Mexico 18 hours in the night to go play ball. So <laughs> basically, I was living in three countries while going to school full time. <laughs> and um and um, yeah, my, my grades started to drop because, you know, I just had, I had too much on my plate. And Coach Star asked me to stop playing in Mexico. And at the time, I was like, what? You know, I'm finally, I'm finally making waves as a, as a pro. You know, I'm finally getting paid to play basketball. I can finally sustain myself and my, contribute to my household and stuff. And, um, and, and you asked me to stop. <laughs> so he told me that. You know, um, he told me something that stuck with me and I never forgot it. He said, these leagues will always be here, but I only get one opportunity to get my degree. You know, me being on a full scholarship and stuff. Um, and he told me that he, had, he has a friend that owns a training company in China. And as long as I can graduate, you know, he can get me a job with his friend's company. I just need to finish school. So uh, I tell him, you know what, course, this is a tough decision to, to, to leave, you know, basically quit halfway through the season, leave my team after they've invested. But I see the bigger picture and my team understood. And, um, you know, I was able to, to make that decision, a tough decision, but I made it. And when I graduated, well, you know, coach hooked me up with the job. Coach had his people, you know, contact me and I was blessed with an opportunity to go work as a trainer in China. Yeah, he, he promised on his word and he kept through on it. So oh, yeah, for sure. He came through, he came through. So what was that transition like, you know, going from player to now being a trainer? I mean, mentally it was kind of tough because, you know, I'm a player at heart. You know, I want to hoop. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to get buckets. Um, and here I was being uh, on the other side of the world in a, in a city with 19 million people working with the biggest foreign-owned company in the entire country. You know, this company was huge. Um, and... Before I went there, I was already doing skill work with, with kids in Belmopan. So I had the experience when I was in Guatemala and Mexico, I was I was doing I was running camps and doing skill work with with, with pros and, and high school players there as well. So me being me being a workout junkie, you know, working out two times a day, four days a week, I knew exactly how to train. You know, I, and me, I, as you can tell, I love to talk. I love to articulate myself, you know, and I love to to teach. Um, and I, I was, I was good at it, you know, so 
it was, I mean, I didn't, if I had to pick between playing and training, I, I would pick playing 10 out of 10 times. But, um, you know, to, to be around the game of basketball and teach the game, it was still a blessing, you know, and it's, it's an opportunity that I, that I cherished and I enjoyed. You know, I love going over there. I had days where, you know, I was, I was you know, watching the NEBL and, and I'm like, yo, all these guys get to play. I wish I could play. But for the first year, you know, it was just I put my head down and I worked. It was an opportunity for me to leave Belize. And I said I will not look back. So, you know, I, I put my head down. I worked, grinded, and, and I made the transition work. Now let's talk about outside of the basketball side of things. Um, What was that experience like, you know, going from Belize or a pretty small really small country everything is small yeah. i didn't go to the, to china where everything is big um what what was your biggest culture shock or the things that you had to adjust to the biggest culture shock for me was the language for sure because <laughs> you know it's it's a whole different world um and then and then not and then needing a vpn to access the internet that's by far the toughest part of china to me you know, um, I didn't I didn't know you need a VPN in China. So when I arrived, I couldn't get on Instagram, Facebook, Google, anything Google related. It's a no no in China. So um, I couldn't even tell my family that I arrived. <laughs> and um, it took me about six months to find a good VPN, Astro VPN, <laughs> you know, an Express VPN out there. But um, yeah, I found a good VPN, and once I was adjusted, then it became easy. Um, the language wasn't an issue anymore. Every the, the people having 19 million people around you at any given time, um, like it just wasn't an issue because I was able to connect. I was able to Netflix. I was able to, you know, go on YouTube and, and do the same things that I would have did if I was at home. So yeah. once I was able to situate myself like that, then, you know, I could, you know, I could handle everything else. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine being disconnected. I remember um, coming back to Taiwan, when was it, 2019, I had a layover in Beijing and just that few hours you know just you, you could connect <laughs> the internet but you can't do anything with it anyway yeah, right so, exactly like, like no imagine you you get there you know you're going to the other side of the world your family's one worrying like oh i wonder yeah. if you made it safely your mom probably worrying like right i wonder where he and is you have no <laughs> and you can't even and you, you can't even send an email right right because uh, you know you unless you have yahoo but nobody uses yahoo anymore on this side of the world it's gmail you know uh <laughs> icloud something <laughs> something that china would not allow yeah um so besides that what are some connections you have made over there i remember um you posting a picture of meeting kobe a couple years back right i made a lot of i made a lot of connections over there rest in peace Kobe. you know rest in peace to a legend one of the greatest basketball players ever um, and probably the most fiercest competitor ever. It was a blessing to meet Kobe. Uh, we ended up having, I had dinner with Kobe. You know, we, we exchanged, uh, you know, conversations. He told me to keep doing my thing. You know, Kobe told me to set the pace. You know, he, he looked at me, he told me that I'm a leader and he could see that. And, um, you know, I have a lot of great things in store just to continue to keep working and level up. So, I mean, I have, I have, I have words from Kobe that, you know, I'll never, ever forget. Um, I met I met a few NBA players. I met I met guys that I that I grew up idolizing and watching on TV. You know, so to be in the same space as these guys and to just pick their brains, it's a it's a I, I won't say a once in a lifetime experience because you know I see myself on that level and um you know it, it continues to happen. But it's a it's definitely an experience that that you always remember. 
because uh, these are the guys that, that are doing it on the highest level, you know, so you know, it's cool. This company that I was working for at the time, the one that called Star put me in uh, connection with, they had, a, like I said, they were the biggest foreign-owned uh, company, basketball company in, in, in the entire country of China. And so they had, had a partnership with Nike and all the Nike athletes that would come to China, you know, we had access to them. So if, if Kyrie Irving is doing a camp in China, then Nike is going to get the employees from this company, which I was at the time to work the Kyrie Irving camp. You know, if Kevin Durant is doing a, an event, then the, the people from this company will work the Kevin Durant event. And that's how I was able to meet Kobe um, and, all these, and all these other NBA players. That's big time right there. Fast forward to, your, to the end of your time there, when it came prematurely, I guess you could say, thanks to COVID. Yeah. And like, what was that like, you know, having, being in China where the whole thing started off and then having to leave and leave that job and all that kind of stuff? Right, yeah. Uh, I, I had left that company after my first year. So uh, my other, I was in China four years. I did, I worked with that company one year and then the other three years I was working as an independent contractor. So I was working with various different companies coming in, working part time and, and, and just being able to kind of diversify myself with the playing, the training, the modeling, uh, the acting, the buying and selling. And I had opportunities to do a lot of different stuff and I didn't want to just, you know, bind myself um, to just training. So uh, I ended up leaving that company and just doing my own thing. But to answer your question, it was it was crazy being out there when COVID hit. I like I like to say that um yeah, I was one of the first people to, to experience the whole COVID dilemma and all that came with COVID. So I ended up leaving unexpectedly, abruptly. I remember it being a Wednesday and, and me thinking that I was going to go on quarantine. And by the Saturday, I was out with just one suitcase headed back to Belize, you know, because I had to leave before they shut the country down. So, um, yeah, like I, I left on the weekend. I booked my ticket on a Friday and left on a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. It, it was it was quick, very fast, and just a lot of discombobulation, a lot of disorganization, and just frantic, you know, just, you know, I got to get the hell out of here kind of type vibe, you know. So that's what it was like. Moving on from that, you, you get back to Belize, and, well, you know, you're somebody that I admire in the sense that you just stay motivated. You always find a way to, like, there's always something for you to do. So you go from that whole messed up COVID situation, you get back home and now you have, well, for the video, I can see it. And well, the podcast yeah. is audio, right? But the JBV, let's talk about yeah. JBV brand. Yeah, JBV, man, just be victorious. Um, I, I definitely needed to tell myself that over and over because when I left China, I lost everything for the most part. You know, I lost my job. I lost relationships. I lost uh, my situation and apartment and just a lot of money you know, six figures was just lost. And, you know, I had to come back home with nothing, you know, but experience and know-how, which is everything, you know. And um, so I came home and, and I was able to play basketball because the NBA was going on. I played two games and then they canceled it. They shut the country down and, you know, COVID was in full effect in Belize. So once I wasn't able to play basketball, essentially I was out of a job, you know, I, I was back at home on the couch. And um, and it was tough because I was just about to go on tour with the Jordan brand. You know, I, I had I had a two weeks tour, 14 days to go on tour with the Jordan brand I, I, to work as a head trainer, you know, um, 
And then COVID hit and that opportunity, you know, ended up not, not happening again. Um, you know, I had 25 games that were canceled for me. If COVID would have hit in March, I would have been set for the rest of the year. Because my big months in China are December, January, and February. So mm. COVID hit in January. All my games in January got canceled. All my games in February got canceled. And that was that. So, you know, it just it, it hit. And I had to deal with all of this at the same time, you know. So when I came home, I didn't have a job. Uh, I was I was on the couch. They shut the they shut the country down, so I couldn't play basketball. They shut the gyms down, so I couldn't go to the gym to work out. And it was easy for me to just you know feel sorry for myself um, and just feel dumb. And it would have been understood, but that's not how I'm built. So I just told myself like, yo, look, everything happens for a reason. This is an opportunity for you to prove to yourself that you are who you say you are. You are as good as you say you are. And, and, and don't make any excuses, just be victorious. Whatever, you know, set goals for yourself, short-term and long-term goals, accomplish them and don't make any excuses, just be victorious. And that's where JBB came from, you know, and I wear it on my chest proudly to, you know, as a, as a, as a gentle reminder that I, I should just be victorious regardless of whatever circumstances, you know, I, I might face. And no lie, um, I, before I knew about the Just Be Victorious meeting, I thought like, yeah. Oh, this guy just put JBV his initials. That's about it, you know. Nothing else <laughs> behind it. <laughs> right. Now that's that's a that's a coincidence for sure. You know, but but I like it as well. But um, you know, it's definitely every time I see it, I just tell myself, yo, you gotta just be victorious, you know. So and and, and the people support the movement. So much respect and shout out to all the people who who support JBV the movement. Cause you know, I just it's it's a message that I feel like, you know, resonates with everybody. Everybody could Use that gentle reminder, that subtle reminder for just be victorious, be the best version of yourself and grind, you know, make things happen. Yeah, for sure. Like, you always need that little reminder because sometimes you slack off and then you lose focus. But, you know, like the man said, just be victorious. So besides basketball, getting into your own brand, you do a little modeling on the side. Well, not the side, but you do modeling as well. Yeah. Um, what made you get into modeling? I remember, I think the first time I saw you was on a Digicel billboard or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yes, back in the day, that's like that's like eight to ten years ago. But um, I actually got into it before that it was with Rebecca Stern. Shout out to Rebecca Stern. Um, we were in Creek Massive, but she's a she's a designer and she. She reached out to me and probably, I said probably like 2010, if I'm not mistaken. She had a photo shoot and she liked my look. She felt she felt like I had the look that she she wanted for the shoot. She reached out. At first I was skeptical, but uh, I ended up doing it and I had a good time. You know, I had a good time being behind the cameras and it was a marriage photo shoot. So yeah, I had a bride and all of that. And it was it was cool, <laughs> it was fun. And then after that, Digital reached out. Digicel said that I have a certain look that they were looking for and, you know, they they wanted to use me. So I did that as well. And then from there, it just, it took off because when I went to Guatemala to play, I connected with a, with a big time photographer in Guatemala City and I did some work with him and his people. And then once I got to China, I had a friend that was doing some modeling as well, but he wasn't the perfect look for the company because they wanted somebody that was that was very dark 
you know, super ath uh, athletic build, you know, strong, ripped, lean, whatever. It, they basically described me before I even got to China. They were asking him for somebody like me. So when he saw me, he was like, ah, oh, I could get you into modeling. You know, I definitely know the uh, people that are looking for somebody with your look. Um, and with modeling and acting and things of that nature, a lot of times it's just the look, you know. So if they're going for a certain look, if I fit that look, then I, I might be able to get the job. If you fit that look, you might be able to get the job. It's whatever the client wants, you know, it's the look that they want. And so um, I was blessed to be, you know, and fortunate to be in the right place at the right time for, you know, people that wanted my look. And I just, I ran with it from there. So I started to build a resume, a modeling resume and, and, um, and opportunities started to present themselves. I did a lot of modeling in China because, you know, I was on a big platform. So once somebody sees you, then before you know it, somebody else wants and somebody else wants. And the hardest part is to get your foot in the door. Once you get your foot in the door and you carry yourself a certain way, opportunities will definitely present themselves. So uh, that's how it, that's how it started for me with the modeling. And you know, I just I, I run with it. Yeah, just taking off from there um, with the billboards probably posters ads whatever it may be and yeah. most recently though what the colgate ad how did that okay, one right. come about actually i don't i don't consider that modeling that's more acting i yeah. mean what it is acting <laughs> and it's funny for me to even say my name with acting like affiliate myself with acting because lord knows i'm not an actor you know i've never i have no acting experience but i i feel like i'm i'm a showman and i know how to I know how to turn up when necessary. You know, I feel like I could if you put me in a situation. I'm going to be successful as long as I have time to prepare, you know. So um, uh, I started off actually with a with an NBA commercial. So my, you know, shout out to Bern Velasquez, my dad. He's in Mexico City grinding, you know, doing these commercials and stuff. And they presented him with an opportunity to do a basketball commercial. And, um, and me being a basketball person, a basketball player, trainer, he passed that opportunity to me, you know, and that's a big deal because I mean, that could have been him, but he was like, my son does this better than anybody that, you know, as far as the playing, but if you need the charisma and the swag to go with it on camera, like he is the guy. So he took a box seat, introduced me to his people at NBA Mexico. And, um, you know, I was able to go out there and, and I did a commercial for the NBA. No, he introduced me to his agency as well. Uh, who, you know, were the people that I did the casting for to, to get the commercial and I killed it. You know, I was the star of an NBA commercial. Like I didn't, well, you know, you got to cast for these jobs and I definitely casted for the primary or, or the, the star role. I didn't want to just be a supplemental piece. I wanted to be the guy. And, um, and I did so well that two weeks after I did the NBA commercial, you know, uh, I had an opportunity to, you know, get a red call. And um, I did a costume for Gatorade. And then a week after Gatorade, um, what was it? Colgate called, you know. So the Colgate commercial that you're seeing is actually the last one that I did. Um, the NBA hasn't released for Gatorade. They haven't released the commercials that I did with them. But, um, you know, it's, it, it's dope to at some point in the next, I don't know, maybe five to six months, I'll have three commercials running at the same time. For the American market on a world stage, prime time, doesn't get much better than that. So I'm the type of person if you I just need I just need one look. You put me in a in a situation, I'm gonna run with it, you know. And um I got the NBA commercial and I run with it and channeled it and turned it into Colgate and Gatorade. 
Yeah, you for sure season the moment always. Definitely right. I All see. Right. I like to say, stay ready, so you don't have to get ready. And I Ooh. stay ready, so. Ooh, good one, good one. <laughs> Right. Well, bro, I think that's all for my questions regarding your journey in a sense. But before you go, I got some quick fire questions that I want you to come straight out the top, straight off the top of the dome. Shucks. Let's see. Let's see what I got for me. All right. So <laughs> since you're a basketball guy, um, let's start yeah. off with your top five all time. Top five all time. Good question. All right, Michael Jordan one. You know, that goes without saying LeBron James, too. Um, this is how I get dice. I go in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, three. Give me, oof. Give me, let's see, shock. I have to go with that dominance. I have to go with that dominance, you know, at four. And I uh, run it over with Kobe Bryant, Mamba mentality. Right. Kobe over everything. Right, <laughs> If you didn't put the Mamba in there, about to have a problem. Uh, the Mamba, <laughs> definitely. The Mamba, for sure. My, mines would be biased, so that's why I had, you had to put the Mamba. Of course, I know you're not COVID guy. I sent you a COVID jersey, right? Oh, uh, Ingram, Ingram at the time. Oh, okay, it was Ingram. All right, cool, yeah. cool. All right, so um, biggest motivation, what gets you going? The fact that I'm not where I want to be in life. So that's... That's my biggest more. That's the reason I get up and grind, you know, for 30 a.m. I'm not where I want to be. I, I'm not nowhere near where I want to be. I set goals, accomplish them, and then set, I set big goals for myself. So, so me not being there is, is is all the motivation I need, you know, for sure. Never stop, never settle. Sir, that's all right. Advice you'd give to young Belizean athletes. I wouldn't say only athletes, but anyone in general. Uh, I would say to find out what is it that you love that you love um and and work towards it you know set goals accomplish them and and you will meet adversity and whenever you meet adversity I always remember no excuses just be victorious ooh it's my ooh marketing guy for sure <laughs> yes sir <laughs> if you could be any animal what would it be i'd be a black panther why because I just feel like I always used to say before the movie that um I just I just see myself as a black as a black panther you know just you know fierce beautiful black and and just and just panther esque I feel like I feel like if I'm an animal I'm gonna be a black panther. <laughs> I, I, and last but not least, your favorite quote. My favorite quote. Yeah. That's easy. Just be victorious. Ah. <laughs> just, I ah. mean, <laughs> I, I, I get the easy, the easy alley. Just get an alley. Right, you, you throw a lot. Just be victorious. By by far, my favorite court, and it's by me. So, <laughs> I mean, why not, right? Um, of course. All right, well, man. Thanks for coming through, bro. Really appreciate uh, you taking the time out. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me as well. You know, I'm always willing to come back. I see you doing your thing. Uh, major congratulations uh, on the platform and, and and continue to grow it. You know, you have a great thing going on. We got all the way back for two K days when you come to that game. All right, and all right, then all right. Be one time I'm gonna tie one. I don't like, bro. The have one stay, time you win, you left. Have to stay with the dub. <laughs> have to stay with the dub. <laughs> you don't know that about me because I beat you every time we play for probably like what three years. Yeah. And then you win one and then gonna tie one. The day before you got. Yeah, the day before, the day before. 
I'm last tight. Week. Last year, last week. Right. I definitely remember that. And um, and then I got on a Taiwan with my Xbox for the rematch. And even our Belize, I like, bro. Dodging you, I'm dodging. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we'll get it right though. But yeah, All definitely. Right. You make, and I just want to wish you continued success, bro. Thanks, man. And I hope out of this interview, I hope like your story inspires somebody, like you know, just resilience, being right. like willing to jump into whatever it is, even if it's out of your comfort zone or it's not what you're known for, you know, just go for it. Right. For sure, for sure. If it could, if it could hit one person and, and, and make an impact, then I feel like you know, we do our jobs. Oh, yes, man. And I forgot to tell you, like, drop where the people can find you on social media. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Gerald Byrne Velasquez on Instagram and Facebook. And, and follow JBV The Movement. JBV underscore The Movement on Instagram. I'm going to drop all the links in the description. So I got you. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Appreciate the love. Oh, that's it for today. I'm going to catch you all on the next EP. Peace.